This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Y'all know I watch way too much television, and it's okay. That's my escape. You have your vices. I have mine. And we first met her, well, I first met her as Misty Knight on Luke Cage, which at that point was the blackest show on television, on Netflix. And now I was like, last season, I saw her, I saw Misty as a judge in All Rise, and I was like, okay, I got to support my sister who's out there. She don't know me, but I'm going to support this show because I don't see black judges often, women, period. Shout out to Houston, though, because y'all had like 19 of them that you elected. But she's in L.A. County, Lola Carmichael, she plays on All Rise. Let me welcome to the show for the first time the one and only Simone Missick. Welcome. Thank you. thank you, thank you, thank you. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm staying safe and healthy. Okay. Yeah. Now, I've That's talked to several actors. Um, I, I talked to Falake from Bob Hart Abashola and, and, and CBS, which you're on. They decided with that show to not even talk about the pandemic, not talk about the racial unrest. They're going just, yeah, they're just forging ahead with, you know, escape, which is what television is. But y'all, yeah. first episode of season two, bam, we're right in the middle of protests. You literally put your body in front of a young girl that the police pulled a gun on. I was like, okay, this is very real. Um, y'all got your mask on. Everything's being cleaned, wiped down, pandemic, clear out the building. And and as I was watching it, I was like, I'm doing the math count. Did they have to tear up the script? Because I don't think this is where y'all were going when you first started season two. <laughs> you know what? It actually was. It actually was. When we finished season one, um, there we had to change. You know, we had to take a pivot. We decided to do the COVID episode. We were the first scripted show to, you know, do a show in quarantine, an episode in quarantine, scripted drama. And uh, no, this was not the jumping off point for Lola for the second season. But CBS very early on looked at what happened in people's responses from that season finale and said, okay, take this and run. And our writers uh, just literally did that. They said, oh, so we can talk about COVID and everything else because, you know, we had done that at the end of the first season. And so what the things that they had planned definitely shifted, definitely changed uh, from what they intended for the second season to where we are now. Did the writer's room change? Because I'm, I'm seeing... Um... I'm seeing a heightened sensitivity to uh, racial uh, awareness that I haven't seen recently. You know, we were talking a lot about Lovecraft Country on this show. Um, you know, there there seems to be, uh, you know, Shonda Rhimes is doing a whole host of things. It's Ken, Kenya Barris and Obama's like everybody now is producing content. And, you know, even Jordan, uh, excuse me, Michael B. Jordan, who is the sexiest man in the world, uh <laughs> uh had a you know an edict that that his his sets have to be uh you know culturally aware you know but but have people who look like him you know at every aspect of 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 any set that he's on what is your writers room looking like right now so d harris lawrence 
came on at the end of uh, the year of last year. So she became co-showrunner in December and she brought with her uh, a young girl named, or excuse me, a young woman named Brianna Belser, who another black woman came to join. Um, and they closed out the first season. Second season, we have two new black writers in addition to those two women two new Latinx female writers uh, and another female writer who's a white woman. She's a little bit older um, in terms of experience in life. And so it feels like in addition to the writers that return from the first season, most everyone is represented. Uh, even in the room, our script coordinator is an Asian woman. Um, and so those conversations that are surrounding what is happening to the characters are also happening in the room. And they were happening during those months that they were trying to build out these scripts. And I think it shows very much so in these first two episodes, you know, Dee wrote the series opener, the season opener for season two. And uh, Kim Harrison wrote the second episode because it's a two-parter. And for me, having two black women handling the subject of Black Lives Matter, um, the Black body, protecting the Black body, the desire of the Black woman to always try to protect the Black body, not just of men, but of children and of themselves. That is something very innate that these women experientially know. And so um, even with you know, the, the concepts that we're tackling and the subject matter that we're tackling, you know, there is clearly an awareness on all of the writers' parts. It doesn't matter their race, their gender, their sexual, you know, orientation. They're all very aware that you can't just gloss over it in a traditional network way. Like this is the opportunity that most people dream of to be able to handle su subject matter like this and to do it on a network like CBS, where we don't necessarily see it done from this lens and this scope. Coming off of Luke Cage, where you were badass. I mean, if y'all ain't seen Luke Cage, y'all gotta go see, y'all gotta just, just go down that rabbit hole. Misty, Misty shows up in so many ways, right? When did you get the call for this script? And did, did your performance in Luke Cage have anything to do with you sitting on that bench as that judge? Well, I think, you know, experience begets experience. So uh, they definitely, I think, knew my work and said this woman has the potential to carry a show. But Luke Cage ended in uh, October, November of 2018. And after that, I went off and did a show called Alter Carbon for Netflix um, and was there working in Vancouver for a couple months when I got the call that they wanted to see me for this project. And, you know, I, when I read the script, I fell in love with Lola. It was like, she was so counter to, to Misty, you know, still a woman in the justice system, but definitely, you know, at a different stage in her life and in her career. And, um, and a woman who was married, a woman who, uh, was reaching the pinnacle of her career at a young age and going through a transition. It felt 
um, it felt like something new and different to get into. And then also the fact that she was so many different colors of vulnerable and quirky and a little goofy and smart and capable. Clumsy, and at the a little top, clumsy. You know, clumsy, all of those things that I, that I fell in love with on the page. Um, and so I got a chance to fly in. I auditioned for the job on a Friday, found out on Tuesday I got it, started it that following Friday. Okay. Um, and then flew back to continue working on Alter Carbon. So there was really like the train was moving and I just hopped on board. I talked with Sterling K. Brown about this overnight success thing. You know, um, Howard University alum, HU. Not you the, know. Okay. Okay. I was just checking, just checking. I, uh, <laughs> come on now. All right. All right. All right. All right, Howard. Um, and then you, you go off and you study, you know, in London, you know, you have, I'm sure you had these, you know, cause Howard, you know, we're talking about Chadwick Boseman, Felicia Rashad. We're, we're talking, you know, from the thespian world, you know, you have some, some giants, uh, that, that came out of, of Howard. And then you, you get this role and then this role, did you, you know, when you think about the trajectory of your career, you know, and now you're at the top of the call sheet, you're in a trailer that looks like uh, a nice apartment. She says she's in her trailer. I'm like, really? Okay. That call sheet top. This space that you're in could be so insecure because you, you get roles not based on your talent necessarily. You could just be the wrong height or, you know, the wrong complexion and you don't get a role, not because you're not great and dynamic and the rejection level was very high. Mm -hmm. how, how do you maintain your, your balance in, in that space? And then to be at the top of the call sheet, is this vindication? Like, how does this feel right now for you? Uh, you know, it feels amazing. It feels um, like something that I've been preparing for, for a really long time. Um, and there was, there were 10 years of no's. So that, you know, that concept of overnight success is, it's a concept. It's something that makes a good soundbite for a publicist to put in an article, but very rarely is that the case? And and so for 10 years, I hustled, I struggled, and I got a ton of no's. And if you look at my resume, when it comes to what happened before 2015, you wouldn't think that five years from then, this is the kind of person that would be asked to carry a show on a network that would be the first Black woman to do so, you know, because like you said, the giants that came before me, the Felicia Rashads, the Taraji Hensons, these are women that were working for decades uh, before they became the leads of their own shows. Um, and even when you look at, you know, heroes like Carrie Washington and Viola Davis, these are women who were working for decades and doing theater and doing, you know, film and not necessarily being the lead of these projects, but doing extraordinary work. I was doing work that no one saw because it wasn't at the level, at that level of um, visibility. And then in 2015, Luke Cage came along. And so I feel extremely blessed. Um, the years of no's only sharpened my faith and my, my believing. And it was a lot of prayer and a lot of 
assessing why I wanted to do this? Was it what I felt like I was meant to do? And once I figured that out, like, okay, no, this is what you know you're meant to do. This is what you know, because you can only handle rejection for so long before you start to do a self-check. Like, oh, okay, am I irrational? Is this improbable? Of course it's improbable, but is this what I'm not supposed to be doing with my life? And every time I would pray to God, like, listen, just, just take it away. Just take away my desire. Just show me what I'm supposed to be doing so that I can go off and do it because this ain't it. I, every single time I would get a job and it would never be the job. It would never be, you know, and now you're doing three episodes on such and such. None of that. It would be like, here's a commercial. Here's a, a short film. Here's a play. And once I realized that those questions were not going to get answered in the way that I was asking for them to get answered, I was like, oh, 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 okay. I get it. This is what I'm supposed to do. I just have to wait. And uh, the, the waiting went from being frustrating to being an exciting part of the journey. Um, and that, you know, it has to be because this industry and this, this life that, you know, artists choose, it has its peaks and valleys. It has its plateaus. And in order to stay motivated during that time, you have to trust and believe that you are where you're supposed to be. It's just, you know, sometimes you're working and sometimes you're not. Um, and I've had five glorious years of, of working at a level that I'm extremely proud of. How are you managing? Because, you know, I think also your husband is also in the, in the industry, you know, and have both of you with the, y'all might understand because you're both in it, but the insecurity of the ebbs and flows to be in the trailer now with the checks that are coming, you know, the CBS checks got to look a lot different than those checks you were getting for commercials. How are you managing that differently? Um, honestly, the responsibility is greater and yes, the checks are larger but the lifestyle hasn't changed. We still, you know, belong to Bible study groups. We still, you know, wake up in the morning and pray together and listen to the word. We still, I mean, with COVID, there's only so many things you can do anyway, but you know, once, once the success quote unquote happened, it wasn't like, ah, I got new friends. I got new <laughs> stuff. You know, it, it was definitely not that. Um, and the beautiful thing about being married to an artist specifically an actor, is that you have someone who understands the journey. They understand what you're going through and they motivate you. So like you said, those no's, those no's still come, still get the no's, still audition for stuff and still don't get it. And so it doesn't, uh, neither of us have reached a level of success that is rarefied air where you spend all of your time saying no to things. That's, you know, there are very few people that exist in that space. Very few black people, very few black women that exist in that space. Um, and so it's recognizing for me that a no from a casting director or a producer or a director is really just God saying, not now, and this isn't for you. So I, I still relish the nose because it's like, oh man, I thought this was gonna be it. This ain't it. 
what else is coming? What else is going to be amazing? Because I thought this was amazing and this ain't for me. Um, and I have nothing but my own life to look at to say, if I had gotten any of those jobs in the first 10 years that I was in LA, Misty Night perhaps wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have been as sweet or I wouldn't have appreciated it in the same way because I had gotten other things along the way that, you know, maybe didn't succeed. And then I was jaded and, that, you know, and I know people like that who get to that level of success and they're constantly looking over their shoulder like, man, this could all just fall apart. And that's so heartbreaking because you want for them to, you know, be thankful in the journey and be happy when you get there. Speaking of thankful, uh, Dorian Missick, tell me one wonderful thing about him. Oh. Just one. Gosh, just one. He is the epitome of, uh, we say, go baby, go in our, in our household. Like he's my number one motivator. Um, but it feels good to be motivated by someone whose work you respect and who you think is equally, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, more talented, more creative, and yet equally motivated and, and creative and talented, you know, I, but he is so supportive. There are things where I'll, I'll go, that was just, and he's like, no, go baby, go, great. I believe in I you. You got this. And I'm like, you just love me. But yeah. He's, well, he's I'm awesome. wishing the Missick family a happy Thanksgiving. I want Thank you to you come so back. Much. We're going to be watching All Rise on CBS. Uh, premiered uh, the 16th. Uh, and season two, she's amazing. Simone Missick. We're going to tweet out all her information. You have an open seat at our table. Thank you for Thank being you here today. Here. All, right. all right. Simone Missick, y'all. 